Today on Laura Lynn and Friends. When I was asking questions of a witness, her name was Gail Davidson. She's an international law professor. And I asked her, you know, how many of these people, how many of these people that are running these institutions are what we've always considered to be elites? You know, our, our doctors, our lawyers, our judges, our bankers. Where were they in all of this fight? And I believe I believe she answered something like, how many Mercedeses did you see on the streets of Ottawa when the truckers were there? And she was right. None of them showed up. It, it's just a a really interesting thing. This was a this was as much as anything a class fight between regular Canadians and those who hold themselves above the law. Welcome to the beginning of the last days, everybody. My name's Laurel and Tyler Thompson, and it is so good to be with you. I absolutely love it. You know, when we get to spend this time together. And I hope you're committed to something like I am, that in spite of the bad news we get, in spite of what they they uh, try to do to us, we are going to maintain a strong mind. We are going to be joyous, peaceful, and we're going to be strengthened at this time as we go through the apocalypse, okay? Everybody, yay, the apocalypse is here. Um, because it's not here quite yet, but and we hope that it'll be better. Earlier this week, um, I read out of Daniel 12, and it was so good. It says that basically it's going to be like stressful, more stressful than any time in history, but God's going to rescue us. All right, you know that I love to read from my dad's Bible. Um and when I read from it, it makes me feel good because he was such an amazing man and I miss him a lot. And he left me this gift. Um, I've got my really tiny glasses on. I don't like these ones. But anyways, I can't read anything without them now. <clears throat> I don't know what's going on. So I'm, I turn to uh, Zechariah 4. My dad has underlined uh, verse 10. Well, he's, if I show you this page, I, I don't know if you can see it with all the bright lights, if you can see that. It's all underlined all here and there. It's amazing. It says in verse 10 of Zechariah 4, For who hath despised the day of small beginnings? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. The hands of Zerubbabel, those who had discernment of the times, Small beginnings do not mean that the end result will not be spectacular. It is up to us to start, to do what we can do with what God has put in our hands so that we will be the eyes and the hands of God running to and fro throughout the earth, bringing truth. And that is exactly what the National Citizens Inquiry did for Canada. Um, it went largely unnoticed by mainstream media, and we'll talk about that. Uh, it probably put them in, a, in an awkward position as true stories came out about um, <clears throat> the, the absolute uh, dismal results and consequences of what we were forced into and what we faced in Canada. But nonetheless, that small beginning, which was actually a huge undertaking, huge, and Canadians paid for this initiative, that they... The, this group of incredible people that had the vision to go across Canada to get the testimonies of those in Canada that had received and, and, 
ha had gone through and faced some of the the mandates and the you know things like vaccines um, those that were able to tell from their own mouth what was going on so I want to introduce to you the chairman of the National Citizens Inquiry. His name is Ken Drysdale. He's an executive engineer with over 40 years of experience as a professional engineer, which includes 29 years experience in the development and management of national and regional engineering businesses. Ken is currently retired from full-time practice as a consulting engineer, but continues to be active in the area of forensic engineering. Uh, investigations as well, and preparation of expert reports and expert testimony at trial, arbitrations <clears throat> and mediations. He has testified as expert witness uh, at trials in Manitoba and Ontario. He has acted as the arbitrator and mediator in disputes, and I guess that set him up very nicely to be the chairman of the National Citizens Inquiry, which literally had to combine everything that he's spent a lifetime learning um, into one incredible initiative that helps to set us free and have incredible information. Ken uh, Drysdale, thank you very much for waiting on the sidelines. Thank you for being with us. Uh, we're excited to hear about, after it's all said and done, how you feel about the results of the National Citizens Inquiry and you know, what is coming out of that now? Well, you know, that's a great question. We, um, the, the scope of the National Citizens Inquiry was very broad. What they said to us when we started was, you know, we're going to uh, ask Canadians to come and testify. And the, they, they were not restricted in what they could testify about. So we had testimony about uh, you know, what happened in schools, what happened financially, what happened in the medical system, what happened with churches, what happened with um, just about every aspect of society. So somehow we had to pull all of that information, you know, from over 300 witnesses into some kind of a cohesive report that would first um, ha be, be accurate to what the witnesses said and secondly, would, would end up in an instrument that people could use. So the, the, a number of things have happened with that. First off, the report is, you know, with uh, it has two components to it. One is analysis and review and introductions. And the other part are actually sworn transcripts of all 300 plus um, wow. witnesses. So the report we, overall, go ahead. Yeah, we have one of those uh, one of those clips, and I think that maybe to remind everyone of what transpired and give them a sample of some of those 300 witnesses, we could uh, show them this. Take a look. We are a citizen organized, a citizen run, a citizen funded initiative. We don't have a single large donor. We're doing this all on our own, almost exclusively by volunteers. We want to start a national dialogue. COVID-19 pandemic has been a unprecedented event as far as Canada and other countries in the world are concerned. The fact that in Canada people are still afraid. It has not been disclosed uh, to the general public the contents of the uh, material. So in that moment, she framed every unvaccinated person, including her guest on the show, as a danger to public safety. What's interesting also is that nobody can name a single real-world vaccine success story. 
where COVID rates went down at a nursing home or a funeral home after the Vax rollout. You're in a cancer clinic and you feel abused by everybody because they didn't want to know you. They wanted to know your mask. They wanted to make personal contact with your mask and that was the horror of it. How did we get to this point? A nation that is afraid to let its people judge the truth and falsehood in an open market is a nation that is afraid of its people. That's still where we are in this nation, Canada, because no government, no authority wants to inquire into its handling or mishandling of the last three years response to COVID-19. And that pretty much answers a lot of questions, I mean, about who funded it, how it came about. And it's really tremendous. Uh, so did you get all the funds that you needed? I have a question about that because sometimes people aren't as prepared to put, you know, their cash where their thinking is. Um, were, were you, did you find that you were able to meet your expenses? Well, you know, that, that was true. That's a truly a Canadian story and typical of Canadians. You know, we, when we were going across the country um, from one city to the next, we didn't have enough funds. You know, we it cost us uh, $30,000, dollars or so per city. There was three days of hearings in each city. And I remember go, when we were finishing Toronto, we didn't have enough money to do Winnipeg, but we proceeded anyway on the faith that it was going to come in. And, and so we were really riding by the seat of our pants, which I really think is the way we Canadians operate all the time. Wow. Wow. That is faith. So obviously you all thought... You know, those of you that put this together and people with the kind of background that you have, you must have thought this is worth it. We have got to get this truth out. We've got to let the public see what has really happened. Well, you know, it was really a humbling experience because I had had some previous uh, experience in reviewing things with the COVID-19 mandates. I had written a report called the Investigative Report. Uh, 89 page report and so I went into this thinking I knew a lot but you know I was really humbled personally uh, on the stories the in-depth stories that I heard the the absolute pain of Canadians you know the losses of loved ones the losses of family ties deaths in the family um, that people were being ignored by their by their doctors. Uh, the government was stepping in between doctors and people. Uh, you know, people were executed by the government mandates. And I'm thinking specifically about Sheila Lewis. Um, so, you know, sitting, it was really interesting, Laura Lynn, you know, sitting for 24 days of testimony, the four commissioners did, and we sat for 12 or so, 14 hours some days, listening to these extremely emotional, extremely heart-wrenching testimonies from everyday Canadians. And, and you know, that had a, first, it, it, I really got educated as to what happened, but it really had an emotional toll on the entire team. What were some of the most compelling things that you saw and that came out of gathering people that had been impacted many in life-changing, life-altering ways? What were some of the key stories that, that you found coming out of this? Probably the, the number one 
that I can think of is the execution of Sheila Lewis. And I use that term on purpose. Um, for folks who don't know her story, she was a lady that was uh, in line to get a lung transplant in Alberta. And she had gone through all of the preparatory work to get that lung transplant. And that led her up to the uh, late summer and fall of 2022. That's important, by the way. Because at that point, we already knew that the vaccines were ineffective, they were unsafe, they never stopped spread, they never stopped you from getting COVID. As a matter of fact, the CDC said one of the main uh, risks with taking a vaccine was that it would give you COVID in the first 14 days. That's on the CDC website. That's not me saying that. In any case, so Sheila Lewis was afraid of taking that vaccine and she got herself tested and apparently she had antibodies. So she had already had COVID-19 and was immune to it. The doctors, however, insisted that she get the vaccine. She refused, and so they removed her from the transplant waiting list, knowing that she would die without that transplant. She went to the Alberta court. They turned her down. They went to the Court of Appeal. They turned her down. She tried to go to the Supreme Court of Canada, and the cowards there, the same cowards that were dancing in the, uh, on commercials on TV during the lockdowns with masks on their faces, they refused to hear the case, and Sheila Lewis died earlier in our sorry about midsummer of 2023 and that's when we were still writing the report um uh, so you know we we not only were tasked with a gargantuan task of putting of actually physically putting together a report but we knew that she was potentially going to die and we were racing to get the report done hoping that that would change things and when she died it was a great shock uh, to all of us. It's so disturbing, Ken, as information is pouring out. I just had Dr. Peter McCullough on. He is going, uh, doing these, um, much like you're doing, um, these NCI, you know, uh, things, and he's part of them across the world. And he, he was just speaking to the, uh, um, I guess, the Senate down in the United States of America. Their reports are that uh, there's in the millions of people that have actually died from taking the vaccine. In Canada, I think we have 49,000 excess deaths, if I'm not wrong. Uh, but so many numbers are, you know, going around. But um, the the fact is, is that many, many people have been harmed permanently. They're still alive, but they're harmed. The evidence is crystal clear, but mum's the word. We can't even get our politicians to speak with any passion and, and bring to light what is going on. And this beautiful woman, I did have her on my show. I believe we had her twice advocating, fighting. Would somebody pay attention? Why should somebody ever? It's even against the, um, you know, our rights to, to be forced to take a medical procedure that we don't agree with. And the vaccine is dangerous and has killed people and has harmed people. And it lowers your immunity. You know, and they still wanted this woman on death's door to take this vaccine. Like, what a bunch of arrogant people. I'm very upset at that there's no common sense in any of it. Well, you're absolutely right. And, you know, um, there it's more than that. It's, it's, it's not just ignorance, it's hubris. They don't care about you. They're, your governing bodies, your institutions could not care less about regular Canadians. You know, I remember... When I was um, when I was asking questions of a witness, her name was Gail Davidson. She's an international law professor, and um, and I asked her, 
you know, how many of these people, how many of these people that are running these institutions are what we've always considered to be elites? You know, our, our doctors, our lawyers, our judges, our bankers, our, our teachers, our professors. I asked her, you know, where were they in all of this fight? And, and I, believe, I believe she answered something like, how many Mercedeses did you see on the streets of Ottawa when the truckers were there? <laughs> and she was right. None of them showed up. You know, they, they, it, it's just a, a really interesting thing. This was a, this was a class, this was as much as anything, a class fight between regular Canadians and those who hold themselves above the law. And I can talk to you about many, many witnesses who testified to laws that were broken. You know, it, it's, it's funny, Laura Lynn, I we just wrote a blog post today um, about what, what the government is now doing with natural health products. And so people who say to me, well, Ken, the COVID's over and we should just let it go. It's continuing because <laughs> if you know what's happening with national health product, uh, natural health products, what they're doing is, is they're now applying uh, uh, drug regulations to the production and distribution of natural food products. And, and what's, what's really ironic about that is that the, the, the legislation that they're actually referring to to put to start to regulate, to bring more regulations onto natural food products is often called Vanessa's Law. Vanessa's Law was passed in 2014 in Canada, and it was the result of a 15-year-old uh, lady, a young lady from uh, Oakville, Ontario, who died from taking a prescription anti-acid drug. And so they, they rushed around to bring in a whole bunch of regulations which would require doctors and hospitals and made it mandatory that they had to um, report adverse reactions due to drugs. And yet during COVID-19, we had many, many doctors testifying. They were getting fired and reprimanded and punished for reporting these things. And so, but now, not to lose my original point, now the government is taking natural food products and they're bringing them into this, this, this law that was designed for prescription drugs. And you've got to ask yourself, if you really think that it's over, folks, it isn't. And that is so true, uh, Ken, and, and I think that's why the value of this this information. Tell me about, like, were, co were, were copies sent to Dr. Theresa Town, to the Prime Minister? In the end of all of this, with this incredible amount of information, people reporting, I remember the compelling, uh, we even had some of the, the folks that you had at the citizens inquiry that were testifying we had them on our show because it was so shocking so what have the leadership of canada done with this absolutely nothing now i'm sure in behind closed doors they're talking about it but you know canadians should expect nothing less from these representatives you know it, it, I always say that these government representatives, at whatever level they are, school boards, municipal, provincial, federal, they're like five-year-old children who you just let go in a candy store and then you went away somewhere and came back an hour later and don't expect to see the kids sitting on the floor gorged with candy. That's what we've done with our government. You know what? I've been, I've been going across the country since the NCI report was uh, submitted and I've been talking to people. And, you know, a lot of Canadians, when I talk about uh, ridings or constituencies, they have no idea what I'm talking about. 
you know, schools don't educate our, our, our citizens about, you know, how our system works and they're not interested in it because, and so when you're not interested in it and you leave it alone for so long, they just, they just do whatever the heck they want to do. So let's not expect the government to do something. You know, Canadians have to get in a driver's seat. There are hundreds of freedom movements, some really good ones across the country. You know, uh, Take Back Alberta is one of them. ManitobaStrongerTogether.ca is another one where they're fundamentally doing things to take back control from the politicians. And they're going to be very effective. I can guarantee you that. But people have to get a, get 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 together in it. So when you ask me, you know, what's going to happen with the National Citizens Inquiry report? First off, it's a historical document. It's sworn testimonies from uh, every regular day Canadians, from uh, worldwide renowned experts on medicine, on finance, on risk, on, ed on education, on religion. And so it's a historical document. It will be used in all of the hundreds, if not thousands of lawsuits that are coming. And people are going to be able to show their their children, their grandchildren, what exactly happened. And so this, but but more than all of that, you know, I, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm maybe going to stick my neck out here and maybe this isn't a terribly good quote, but I'm going to quote Admiral Isakuro Yamamoto from World War II with a certain amount of, of revision to it. I know, I hope that the National Citizens Require Report will serve to awaken a sleeping giant and fill them with a terrible rage. Because I think if Canadians start to look at this report and they start to talk about it and they start to listen to the testimonies, it will wake us up. Canadians are good people. We're a moral people. We believe in what's right and wrong. And when they start to find out what happened here, they should be enraged at their government and they should take peaceful measures in order to take back power from these these oligarchs that, that are running our country right now. I agree with you 100%. And this uh, this document, I think it's about 6,000 pages or something. So it's it's very large. Uh, what, what can we do to make it more bite-sized and, and easier to um, digest and share? You know, uh, when you uh, talked about my experience, you know, I've been writing reports for court for many, many, many years. And one thing I've learned is you have to make it usable. So you're absolutely right. The report is 5,342 pages long, about 643 of those is analysis and discussion, and about 4,699 pages is actual witness transcripts. So now that sounds pretty intimidated for folks but you know what we arranged it so that you can go through it really easily the first thing I ask people to do is go read section 9 and section 10 it's, I think they're about three or four pages each okay. and what those two are is they're the comments and the messages from the four commissioners to the Canadian people it's written in plain English tells you what our feelings were what we felt in our hearts what we analyzed in about four or five pages on each of those sections. Start there. And then you'll notice, the second thing you'll notice is that it's an enormous table of contents. The table of contents is 15 pages long, and there's a reason for that. The report is split up into sections overall. And so after you read the, the, the section 9 and 10, which again is about six pages or four or five pages, you go to section 8, 
Section 8 is a simple listing of over 400 recommendations that we're making. And each and those recommendations are split up into groups of areas of interest. For instance, you might be interested in what happened, happened in the churches. There's a section on that. You might be interested in what happened to the country's finances. There's a section on that. There's a section on, I think there's six or seven sections on medical. And, and oh, by the way, this is all in plain user-friendly English. There's sections on what happened in the church, what happened in the schools, what happened... Um, just about in every aspect of our society, what what happened with unions? Trying to did they protect their 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 uh, their members? And so, what I recommend people do is after they read section nine and ten, they go to the table of contents, look up section eight, and find a subject that you're interested in. And if you're interested in what happened in churches, go to section eight, read the recommendations on churches, and then go to section seven. Now, section eight and section seven are numbered identically, so. If, you, if the section you want to read in section 8 is, let's say, I'll just make up a number, 7.25, or sorry, 8.25 about churches, once you've read the recommendations, go to 7.825, the same number, and look it up there. And what there is there is, now you look at all of our discussions, we talk about who, what, who the witnesses are, what they testified to, what our reasoning was, what the laws were how things were done, and then we, again, repeat to you those re same recommendations. So now you've got a really detailed understanding of whatever the area is that you were interested in. And then just piece through the report that way. And it makes it really simple. You can do one section a day or, or something, and, and it takes away the intimidation of this 5,000-page epic historical document. You know, it's, it's, uh, so it, but it's I'm really... I'm on the National Citizens Inquiry uh, website. I want everyone to get really easily available, like uh, it's at their fingertips. Would we find the report you're talking about under Commissioner's Report? Yeah, it, it, if you can click on that. I have it open on a second screen in my, on my uh, computer. Ah, so you can see it. And you can download it. You can download it as one right document. That's, yep. You can download it as a several documents. And it will be it will be published shortly on uh, all of the uh, book uh, publishing sites like Amazon Books. It'll be on Kindle. It'll be on all of those other. We're still working on that. There's a fair bit of work that goes into doing that, so folks can download it immediately. It's free, by the way, folks. There's no cost to you to do this. When it comes out on Amazon Books and you want to order it there, there will be a cost because it costs to print it. Uh, but we have minimized that cost, and we're not taking any profit on that, from what I understand. So. Um, you know, it, it's there. We will be, the National Citizens Inquirer will be protecting the site and keeping it on. And so uh, people all over the world can download it and just read it for free. And you can own your own copy of it. Okay. Now, are you going to be able to get this into different languages? Have you thought about that with the onset of AI? Apparently, some there's some AI haters <laughs> out there, but... This is, this is what I want to share with people is that the expert um, testimony that you got from this uh, citizen's inquiry could be spread across the world and enable and as well inform other countries. Yeah, absolutely true. We're currently, we're translating it into, uh, into French, and we're expecting that to be complete in the next little while. We're not using AI for that. I, I, I'm not sure because I'm not involved. You're doing it the good old-fashioned way. <laughs> yeah, with a group of eight or nine people and a lot of coffee. 
That's awesome. <laughs> I just let me tell you something, Ken, out of interest, okay? Um, so I was talking to somebody at this, I was at an AI, um, you know, a conference, and he said, well, I want to get my book translated into French. You know, how would I do that? And I said, well, I don't exactly know, but I took out chat GPT and I said, please translate this into French. And I rattled off three or four sentences and within five seconds flat, not even, not even three seconds, it had the transcribed written of what I'd said. So I'm just thinking that if you take a book, like I got my book here, you know, and you, you just read it off. Um, that's the beauty of like, you have 5,000 pages and you're doing it into French and it's taking a while, but what's happening is that you're able to take documents. And of course you want to have someone you trust, read it through. Let's say you want to, um, you know, put it into Spanish or, uh, you know, Cantonese, Mandarin, whatever you can then have it available to all kinds. And even in our own country, we have a segment of population that, doesn't speak. They speak Farsi. They speak Mandarin. You know, they're not really, um, they don't, they're not proficient in English, but you're able to get the information out a lot of ways. So I had to make a point here because I, I got some people really mad at me about AI, but I'm trying to show that there's a lot of ways that we can do good with it. Well, you know, we were, we were briefly talking before we went on air and, um, uh, you know, I, I, I read historical accounts at one time when, when the printed page first started coming out, you know, back in whenever that year was when they invented the printing press. And, and prior to that, the way news and things got around is that there were people who would go to villages and they would, they would tell, you know, they would sing the story of what was going on in the country. And, and so when the printing press came out, there was a huge, enormous, um, how they were losing this and and you know I am old enough I'm not old enough to remember that firsthand but I am old enough to remember when um, word processing came out and people thought oh you know this is just going to be terrible so folks AI is a tool and it does have its risks and benefits just like a car does you know you can use a car for good or you can run it run it over you can run somebody over or you can run into a building with it so all of these tools are uh, valuable tools as long as they're handled properly yeah, I appreciate that. And it's sort of a bit of an education process as well as, you know, having discernment and understanding the times that we're living in and and um, basically how to use it. I wanted to, um, if JT, if you're able to put this up, I see that incredible interviews were done, like uh, such as with uh, Dr. Robert Malone. Um, and yeah. so are these still available on X or... Um, you know, other rumble. Have you, have you got these interviews still available for people to see? Yes, they're available on rumble. All of them. They're not uh, as, as available on YouTube because we got censored from YouTube, but you can go to rumble national citizens inquiry has a channel there and all of the interviews are there. As a matter of fact, if you go to the, go to the uh, national citizens inquiry website, the one you had up earlier and you click on hearings and just pick any day of hearings, um, so that's back to the homepage on the National Citizens Inquiry okay. webpage. And okay. there we go. Just go to home. Yep. Yeah. And then go to, go to hearings. Hearings here. Uh, yeah. Click on any one of the cities. Oh, wow. Say Truro. Click on Truro, Nova Scotia. Okay. 
And then what you'll see is all of the witnesses are listed. And if you click on them, they take you to a page that shows you their video, gives you their written testimony, their sworn testimony, and anything else that they provided. Wow. So you can click on any. And so that's how well this has been put together. You know, it, it takes you to the, to the witness. It shows you who they were. You can watch their testimonies here. Or, again, you, if you want to, you can go to Rumble and you can sort through. But here it's all indexed for you, right, on National Citizens Inquiries. Pay, uh, website. You have done some incredible work. This is a lot that you have put together. And some of these testimonies, were you pleased as you heard, like the truth coming out, as painful as it might have been, um, as you heard the truth coming out about these vaccine injuries, about people who, um, uh, you know, family members, like uh, people became suicidal at what they did to us. Our country has literally been traumatized. Um, were you pleased that that this message was uh, it was reaching and and having the full effect of coming to the ears of Canadians? Absolutely. You know, at the time of being in those hearings for ten or twelve hours a day, and it was incredibly tiring. And we were just, you know, we were doing our best. To, I've got three binders of notes that I took during that time. You know, but as things were rolling along, you knew that this. Canadians didn't know this, you know, despite Canadians having spent $1.3 billion uh, last year on the CBC, the CBC didn't report any of this to Canadians, you know, despite all of that money. And so we knew this was something that had to come out. It, 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 was, um, it was a terrifying uh, process. You know, we, Laura Lynn, I'll tell you another little story. When we were in Saskatoon, a lady was telling a story about her mother who had decided to go to a local drugstore to get her shot. And of course, her mother went to the drugstore. There was a lineup. She stood in line. And as she moves forward, the line kept building behind her. When it was a mother's turn, she went in, uh, I guess, behind the curtain and they gave her the injection. And of course, they watched them for a few minutes. And this woman dropped dead right on the floor, dead, dead as a doornail. And that line of people waiting to get their shot, not a person, not a single person got out of that line. That's the terror that organizations like our mainstream media, CBC particularly, had instilled upon Canadians, that they lost their humanity. They lost their ability to think. And, and that's what you get for $1.3 billion of taxpayer money. So you're, can I just, uh, you know, sometimes I hear things like a little bit slow, you know, because I'm, I'm in shock. You're saying that a person went and was getting their shot and died. Yes. Right there. In right Saskatchewan, there. in Canada, and died right there, getting the shot, and everyone stayed in the lineup. Absolutely right. And there's a that, that testimony they can find under the Sask Saskatoon hearings. I can't remember off the top of my head um, uh, who the, the name, witness Angela was. Angela Taylor, Anne McCormick, Randy Schiller, Mark Friesen, Joseph Borgo. You've got a lot of people that are here, but it's in it's under Saskatchewan, and I I see that. And then there's day one, and probably yeah. day two and day three, right? <clears throat> yeah, that, absolutely. I can't uh, remember her name, but yeah, isn't this um, this is this is what is so shocking? I feel like I'm living in the Truman Show on a lot of days because because there's so much evidence, and yet you just still keep hearing. Safe and effective, get your shot, 
time for your booster and they're still giving it to kids and there's nothing safe about this and it's not effective. Well, you know, we, we did a complete section on that, Laura Lynn. We, there's a section in the report about how they approved these COVID-19 vaccine shots and it's actually shocking. They never proved objectively that they were safe and effective. And, and I use the word objectively because there's objective proof and there's subjective proof. And what that means is this, an objective question and an objective answer is, what is two plus two? The objective answer is four. A subjective question is, how do you feel about two plus two? You know, you can answer that any way you want. And the food and drug regulations in Canada always required objective proof of safety and efficacy. Canada approved the COVID-19 vaccines under an interim order that relaxed those requirements for COVID-19 and didn't require them to prove safety and efficacy. Now, that interim order only lasted for 12 months. And then what they did was they rewrote the Canadian drug and food regulations, and they actually have an exemption in there to this day that COVID-19 vaccines do not have to prove objective safety and efficacy. And people can go online. I mean, it's in our report and we actually recreate or not recreate, but we link to the documents for, for readers. So you can see that when you're talking about safety and efficacy, they never proved any of that. They never even tried. I mean, I'll tell you another thing, uh, Laura Lynn, that really upset me is, and I was questioning, I can't remember which doctor it was, but we had, we had, uh, I'm just going to check, I have some handwritten notes here. We had 94 experts testify out of the 305 tes tes uh, testimonies. Some of them were world-renowned doctors. And I was questioning one of the doctors about the testing protocol that Pfizer had reported uh, that the government used to approve these drugs. And I believe that the testing went on for two months or three months. I think it was two months. And one of the things I questioned the doctor about is I said, if we tested cigarettes for two months, would we know that they cause cancer? And the answer was no. And then I, I noted to the doctor that these things had been approved for pregnant women. Uh, and I asked the doctor if they remembered the thalidomide issue that happened in Canada and around the world. And for those of you folks who don't know, in the, I guess it was late 50s, early 60s, they, uh, they approved a drug called thalidomide for pregnant women, and it caused thousands and thousands of horrendous birth defects. So I asked the doctor, if we tested thalidomide today for two months, would we know that it would cause birth defects? And the answer was no. And yet Health Canada approved these drugs on two or three months worth of testing. That was it. They didn't test for, to they didn't test for toxicity. They didn't test for genotoxicity. I mean, they didn't even test, Laura Lynn, they didn't even test the production runs of the drug. And what I mean by that is their tests were based on some small sample laboratory samples. And then when it went into mass production, it was never tested. So you had quality control issues. You had, you had toxicity issues. They even had issues about how they would inject the drug in you. It was supposed to be a it was not supposed to go in your bloodstream. So what they were supposed to do is they were supposed to put the needle in, aspirate it. And what that means is you pull the plunger back just a little bit to see if any blood comes in. If blood comes in, that means you're in a blood vessel. And then if no blood comes in, you're supposed to shoot the, 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 the drug in. Well, they stopped doing that. And that was under the approval of the government who said, well, 
you know, aspirating a needle, pulling it back a little bit would scare people. So we better not do that. Just stick it in. And so every aspect of this thing broke the rules of engagement. You know, we're unsafe. It, everywhere you looked, it was this way. Well, I know that Trudeau definitely didn't have that happen. If you saw, remember this uh, ridiculous little pretend shot that uh, I'm pretty sure uh, that he got uh, when the nurse just didn't even grab his arm. You know, usually you kind of get that muscle ready and she just went like this, you know, I, I we're like, what is that? You know, what is that? And and uh, that was not given correctly. And I, I know that that was uh, an issue that was raised actually by many doctors saying it's not even being done right. So no. um, what about things like ivermectin? Did you cover um, any of those, the limitations that they gave to doctors to be able to give drugs that had been approved for many years? There are a number of testimonies from doctors who had been using ivermectin as a protocol. There were a number of doctors that tried to use it. There were, we had, I can't remember, it was one or two doctors who testified that they prescribed ivermectin and then the pharmacist refused to fill the doctor's order and reported them to the government. I mean, <laughs> that's incredible. You know, ivermectin was one of the safest drugs that we have. It's been around for years and years and years. It won the Nobel Prize and it's used in in, um, in uh, uh, southern countries all the time for prevention of certain um, tropical diseases. So it, it has a long track record. And yet, you're right, they put in uh, regulations to punish doctors. You had pharmacists refusing to fill these prescriptions. So you essentially broke down the privileged and, and quite frankly, sacred relationship between a patient and a doctor. And you had uh, government uh, bureaucrats stepping in between and you had pharmacists stepping in between that sacred bond between the patient and the doctor. I mean, that's never happened before in our country. It really hasn't. And do you want to know, um, I, I've only mentioned this a couple times on the show, but I was diagnosed with lupus in 2006. I therefore had to take hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine became the drug that Donald Trump mentioned and everybody went wild and oh, it's killing people. And I, I, you know, wanted to know why my doctor would give me a drug that's killing people. And only to find out that he told me that was a bunch of nonsense and that it had been approved for 60, 70 years. And, um, and then uh, I got COVID and JT and I were actually in Costa Rica when we all got COVID. And JT was really, he basically spent uh, the, the time in bed and missed our entire vacation. Uh, but, and I felt it, but I didn't let it stop me. I still went to the beach. But what I was able to do is go to the prescription, uh, to the pharmacy and get ivermectin over the counter, no prescription. It's freely available in Mexico, in Costa Rica. So I took it and it was wonderful. From that time on, I have not had to take uh, hydroxychloroquine again because th these um, ivermectin, first of all, uh, this article uh, by Dr. William Mackis is talking about how it helps uh, cancer and actually attacks cancer cells. He has a diagram here about how it does it, but it also kills parasites. 
And one of the things yep. that I learned from one of the doctors, two doctors that have been on my show have talked about lupus, um, actually being a parasite that is in your body that when you take ivermectin potentially, and there's other parasite killing drugs that you kill the parasites, you don't have lupus anymore. Now, I don't know that I don't have lupus. I haven't had my blood work done. I hate doing all that stuff because I just feel so good and I run circles around people. But all of this to say that because I was in Costa Rica, easy access to ivermectin, I took a good 10 days of it and I've never had to be on hydroxychloroquine again. And I don't have the same swelling. I haven't had any issues. I haven't had any return of like a lupus attack. So people, you know, might be interested in this who might have lupus. But this is what our stupid medical authorities did to us. This is why uh, Dr. Charles Hoff, he's in a lot of trouble right now for trying to tell people the truth. Our doctors have been demonized. Uh, some of them, like Dr. Trozzi, just pulled right out. Dr. Byron Bridal has not been allowed back into his office in Ontario for, you know, two years. Uh, this has been just a, a horrific assault against, well, even intelligence, because you don't have to be a doctor to be able to read reports and understand that there's something really good. There's, you know, there's tons of papers that are reviewed, reviewed, peer-reviewed papers that talk about the, the benefits, and yet they've done this to us. So I appreciate that the NCI, uh, at the expense of many of you and getting, you know, donations to come in slowly, that you, you shared the truth and you've made a huge difference. Do you feel that, um, have you heard testimonials since the NCI of people saying, wow, I was so blown away. I'm not getting my third shot basically because of what I heard. Absolutely. And um, I, I don't recall the statistics off the top of my head, but apparently Canadians getting boosters right now are in the one to two digit range. In other words, somewhere between uh, five and 15 percent of Canadians are getting these uh, these boosters. So the message has got out. Canadians are listening. But, you know, our, our institutions uh, and it's really interesting, uh, you know, that Health Canada is still pushing people to get these uh, injections. And just uh, on January 15th of this year, the Winnipeg Free Press carried an almost full page article about, it was entitled, um, The Unwanted Unvaxxed. And uh, I wrote a blog post on it on a webpage called uh, manitobastrongertogether.ca. That's www.manitobastrongertogether.ca. And this person was demonizing people to this day that haven't taken the shot. You know that she—they're killing grandma, and they're irresponsible. And uh, and she was she was um, dreaming, uh, fantasizing about what would be written on these people's tombstones when they die. And so that was carried in the Winnipeg Free Press, which is a major Canadian newspaper, on January fifteenth of this year. And again, folks can go to that website, manitobastrongertogether.ca, to the, to the blog. And I just wrote a blog post on it. And, and we're also recommending, by the way, and that people have to take action. So we're recommending you write, and we give uh, uh, letters that people can consider sending, a letter to the Winnipeg Free Press and the editorial board. But we've also prepared a letter to their advertisers. So folks... Read that blog post. If you're not, if you're outraged by it, then send letters not only to the Winnipeg Free Press, 
but to their advertisers and let their advertisers know that you're not going to put up with hate and 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 veiled violence against people who did not take the vaccine so when you ask about is that still going on today absolutely it is well i'm i'm very grateful for what you have done you said that was manitoba stronger.ca oh manitoba together yep stronger together okay um because people will want to follow up on this um if do you do you think that canada is forever changed because of what we've been through um, are we going to be smarter? Because you know they've got disease X coming. You might have to do another, you know, <sighs> discovery on on how they what, how they treat us during disease X and the fear mongering that's already going on about that. Absolutely, they. You know what? Right now, right now, the message the government has is they can get away with this because Canadians, you know, Canadians think that it's over and they want to get on with their lives. But the problem is, is that they're, they're, they think it's over because they're not watching what's happening. You know, listen to what's going on in, in Davos right now, some of the insane things that they're talking about. And, and you might say to me, as one of, our, one of our members of parliament told me a couple of months ago, he said, and I asked him about, about the WEF, the World Economic Forum, and he said to me, Ken, don't worry about the, the, world, the, 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 the world Economic Forum. He said, they're just like the Lions Club. They have no power. I'm a, he said to me, I'm a Lions member. It's the same thing. Don't worry about it. As long as Canadians think that and they're not watching, you know, you're not watching what's going on in municipal politics. You're not watching what's going on in your schools. You know, you're not getting involved in the election process. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on where they call elections, believe it or not, by elections. And a week later, it happens, and people don't even know what's gone on. And so that will not stop unless folks start getting involved in the grassroots. You can't believe how easy it is to get involved at the grassroots and start to take some of this over. But until, so until Canadians do that and take that step, it's just going to keep going downhill because they're not afraid of you. If you're not, if you're not taking your power, they're not afraid of you. It strikes me, Ken, that one of the things that's coming up here, and I think will be a really hot topic, um, I was talking to a very important person in Canada this morning, um, but about excess deaths and the fact that nobody really wants to talk about that. And it's worldwide, you know, so, but Canada just mums the word from the press, from whatever. And meanwhile, if you go back to 2019, to what were the deaths are today, we've got a problem. Oh yeah, Dr. Denny Rancourt, he's Canadian, mm -hmm. he testified three times at the National Citizens Inquiry. He testified uh, in French in Quebec City, he testified in Ottawa, and he testified in uh, virtual hearings uh, in September. And he talks in detail about that, and he also talks about one of the reasons he had to testify three times is that most of the data was available worldwide on excess mortality that he could analyze, but Statistics Canada didn't release it. They didn't release it till I think it was August or early September of last year, where just about every other country, including third world countries, had released that information. So Dr. Rancourt, and I invite people to go and look at his testimony, uh, he talks about that. He estimated that just because of mandates and 
uh, vaccination uh, adverse reactions alone in Canada, I believe he estimated 35,000 deaths. The other interesting thing about the death statistics for 2021, which just came out, by the way, in uh, I think it was October of last year, um, they're showing um, that the deaths kept increasing when the vaccines came out. And then the one area of deaths that really increased was the unknown cause death. It's an incredible number. And again, I can't remember the percentage. I want to say it was a third of all deaths were unknown causes. Mm -hmm. It's never happened before. Yes. Uh, so Dr. Mackis has been reporting on that as well, because uh, Alberta was kind of leading in these deaths of unknown causes. And yeah, really, really staggering, Ken. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for what you've done. Uh, did you, uh, my, my final question as we close up here, um, just share anything that you think that we should know or, or how we can, you know, keep an eye on what's going on with NCI in the future. But um, did you feel that it was an incredible opportunity that you're, you're a professional engineer, uh, you're basically really good at forensic engineering, investigations, preparation of expert reports, expert testimony, <laughs> trials, arbitrations, like the, everything that you've ever gone through basically prepared you for this moment that is so important to this time in history. Yeah, you know, my wife and I have spoken about that to each other very often, and it was the same for the other three commissioners. Uh, you know, I'm one of the four commissioners, and uh, we had a, you know, we had a variety of experience there. We had um, a, a medical researcher. We had a uh, social um, a science type person, and we had a lawyer. So you know, we had we had people with expertise in investigations. They had the lawyer to kind of review it, and then you had the doctor who kind of kicked you in the pants because, and then you had the other person saying, "Well, don't forget about you know the social impact." So it was a really good mixture of uh, expertise uh, that came together, and we worked very well together. Everybody was dedicated to getting this out. I take my hat off to all of them. And, and I also wanted to just point out that folks that, you know, you, you see you see my face on this interview and, and a number of other people doing interviews, but there were literally thousands of volunteers at the NCI, thousands. You know, each uh, city we hauled into, there were there was a whole committee of volunteers there. And then there were people coordinating across the country and people in all types of expertise gave their time you know, their energy, their resources, their money to get this thing to work. And, um, you know, it's an incredible achievement for Canadians. Um, one personal question. Are you heading, heading to uh, Tucker at all, Tucker Carlson? Well, we, we have been waving our flag in front of him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's in Calgary and uh, Edmonton, but you're in Manitoba, I think, right? Well, you know, we were going to go because I was in Edmonton and Lloydminster a week ago when it was minus 43. And I was giving speech, I was giving speeches out there and doing some podcasts. And the folks there who uh, were really wanting me to come to Tucker um, uh, uh, this week, but I just can't because we have a live uh, event here in Manitoba for in, our, in a city called Arburg, Manitoba on Thursday night. And I couldn't, I'm a, kind of the keynote speaker and I couldn't take the chance of not getting back in time. So. Um, I, I would I would like to talk to Tucker, and if he hears this, I'd be more than happy to come on and, and uh, talk. <laughs> I think you should be his guest. 
I think you should be his guest. Like what what you did bringing uh, all of this Canadian information, I think that he'd be he'd really love uh, interviewing you on that. Okay, well, very good, Ken. Thank you for your work. Um, thank you for using your God given talents and your experience to help our nation and now the world. I I don't think this is the end, and I do hope you are considering about how how you prepare for the next citizens inquiry because uh, I, I think they're not done with us if you know what I mean so yeah ab- absolutely they're not done and uh, you know Canadians please pick up the national citizens report it's it's it won't it won't save us but it is a toolbox and then you can use to educate yourself your family your friends and as I said before I hope it wakes folks up and fills them with a terrible rage you're absolutely Thank you, right. You're absolutely right. Thank you very much, Ken. And uh, God bless. Take care. We'll talk to you again. Thank you. Very, very good work. Um, I remember seeing some of these, uh, the, the videos that were coming out in Canada. It was so magnificent. And my thought was, where's the press? Where's, you know, what is, so, you know, the, uh, the, the news uh, legacy media uh, doing? And, of course, they don't want to hear about what well, they're probably not allowed. And some of them might be terrified because, of course, you know, they've taken their second or third booster and they might be terrified of the information coming out. And that leads me to one more thing that I I think I need to speak on more often on this broadcast. And that is that you might be one of those people that has taken the shot and because it's hard to watch and hard to listen and you feel badly, you feel duped, you feel upset um, first of all, I highly recommend that you go to um, Dr. Mackis, um, to his um, page. You follow him on Substack because he is talking about some of the things that are helping to set people free. And um, I'll see if I can pull it up real fast here because uh, we did actually show it a little bit. But he talks about that there are remedies. One of them to get that spike protein out of your body to help yourself to to reset, reset your body is, uh, to do a fast, a 72 hour fast, 18 hour fast even is some of the things they're talking about. Um, if I do this share, another thing that he has put out there is the turkey tail. I'm trying to see if I can get to the turkey tail. Uh, what is it? It's turkey tail mushrooms, right? So apparently there's quite an, uh, mushroom, Obliquus, uh, is this, okay, so, all right, well, this guy's kind of talking about, it. look, it looks like a, a hideous kind of thing, but, oh, this is a brand new one, okay, so this is a brand new remedy that they're finding, that it has the properties and the abilities to help your body to get that spike protein out, <coughs> and to reset your body okay let me see oh so shaga mushroom oh you put a link for me in vmix chat um so okay i'll leave this playing for you while i do that um one of the things we want to do is be following some of the the key people that oh i see you took it out jt you weren't following my instructions that's fine you never do it's fine you're the boss. If you want to prove it, that's fine. Okay, just a second. <laughs> Can you imagine the fun JT and I have in having to work together all the time? All right, I think I'm pulling up your 
this, yep, here it is, JT. Okay, turkey tail mushroom, and this was on um, Dr. William Mackis' site. Turkey tail mushroom, also spoken of by Naomi Wolf, is uh, treatment of cancer and how this medicinal mushroom helped the COVID-19 mRNA vaccinated, all right? Turkey tail mushroom, everybody. Please follow Dr. William Mackis. And by the way, we are bringing him to British Columbia here for, I believe, March 7th or 8th. Uh, I don't have my agenda in front of me. You think I said 8th? Yeah, maybe March 8th. And uh, we are going to be doing an event with Dr. William Mackis. Set the night aside. Put it in your agenda so you can uh, be here. He is going to be exposing uh, the darkest parts of our medical, tyrannical uh, people that are running the show here in Canada, exposing what is going on. He'll be telling us things uh, like this, what we can do to help our family and loved ones who may have taken the shot. And um, I really love this guy. And the other thing is that all proceeds of that evening, it's a $25 ticket, all proceeds of that evening, nothing, it's not going to me, it's going to help uh, Alicio Ibarra, and he is our worship leader. In fact, uh, this picture behind me, that was taken at, at uh, with Alicio would have been sort of on the stage. It's as if this picture is taken from the stage. But Alicio, uh, all those people that you see at the bottom of my screen right in here, um, those are people that were attending a, a, a worship um, event where we weren't allowed in churches for months on end. So we decided to do church outside. And I asked everyone to come together. I got a hold of Eli and I said, listen, can you come and sing for us? And he did. Well, Eli is very ill. He is very, very sick. And uh, it's a combination of certain, um, uh, he's had, he's been injured uh, in his body and in, in the back area and up into the neck and also a problem with his uh, tinnitus and his brain feeling like it's swollen. It, it's, it's just been so bad. Would you please pray for him? Alicio Ibera and his beautiful wife, Janina. So we are gonna do, uh, they've had to both leave work and they're literally fighting for their lives. I really mean fighting for their lives. It's very serious. And we're going to do an event. Um, we're bringing in Dr. William Mackis and we're gonna, we're going to pray that Eli can be there and that he'll be able to maybe play something for us. But it's going to be a beautiful night of inspiration and also something we as Canadians could do to help Eli and the family. If you could do that, that would be amazing. Thank you. So I'll go to my website, lauralyn.tv. Thank you very much for joining me. If you go to lauralyn.ai, it will also take you to lauralyn.tv. <laughs> JT just... Oh, for all the AI haters. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to get ahead of the curb. And um, I appreciate the fight and I appreciate the tension that we're in. Listen, let's fight evil. Let's fight the globalists. Let's stand for truth. Let's go after them for all our might. But in using the latest technology, in using the latest available to us in order to battle in order to get the word out, in order to fight evil. I'm saying just, you know, like, let's not be so closed-minded. You know, it used to be the VCR was bad. Um, a fork was once considered a, you know, demonic, satanic, satanic witchcraft kind of thing. Um, you know, people never got ahead, even the, the Christian community of making movies and getting into 
the field. I, I never remember as a kid uh, being, you know, being sort of um, challenged on using any kind of talent for media. So it ends up, I mean, the, the, my generation and my parents' generation actually came to a fight on this because when I told my mom that I had had a call from God late one night in 1999, and I talk about this in my book, and you can get that on Amazon, Relentless Redemption. And uh, my my good friend Alvin and his wife just got that book. And so they're going to be reading it. Um, um, stay up late reading it together, guys. Uh, so when, when I told my mom that God had called me to television, she told me <laughs> not to give up my typing skills, right? She told me like, to take the safe path. Now, this was a massive woman of God. And I do not, I don't want any disrespect to my parents because they became missionaries. My mom went to Africa before she had a husband and she pioneered. So, but when I shared with her that God had called me to be on television to tell people about Jesus, she, her mind went to the old way. Well, don't give up your typing skills. I mean, that's the only way we can really get the message out is you just speak it naturally in front of people. We have to travel. We got to go to Uganda to share the message. And she went to Uganda and Kenya. She started, she, she and my dad started 1500 churches that are there today because they went. But what you can do now is you can sit in your perch. You can share the, the message and you can have it translated into 60 languages. God help us all that I will be able to speak Lugandan and tell them the truth. I don't want to say, oh, I know Lugandan. I think that you have to be honest in your sharing of, of, you know, new technology. Like I'm coming to you in the Lugandan language, but I'm speaking English and this is through an AI translation, but I want you to know that I love you and God loves you. I want you to know that he is there for you. He is your power, your strength, your source, your shield and your buckler, and you can trust him. I'm going to be able to give that message in many different languages. And you'll, you might say, well, people are already doing that in those languages. Well, you know, maybe sometime, sometimes God calls people from different places to do extraordinary things, which cause, because people will stop and go, what is that white woman doing? Uh, speaking, you know, Spanish or Cantonese. What is she doing? How, how is she doing that? Right. And I might be able to share a very powerful message. And maybe people will listen in a way that they wouldn't now. Maybe you're a preacher and you've got a, you know, a powerful um, way of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and you want to communicate that. I am not against that. I think that that, that should be done if possible. And apparently it's going to be very easy within just a few months. It's going to be very easy to do all of this. So... My recommendation is that we stand together, we fight together. Thank you for fighting with me. Um, not fighting with me. I know some of you do fight with me, like fight me, okay? And and you know, you're you're you know, you challenge me in many ways on like your thoughts on certain things, and, and I just want you to know I'm listening. I'm gonna listen to you and then I'm gonna do what God tells me to do. Is that fair? Is that fair? Because that's what I expect of you. I don't expect you to just listen to everything I say and do what I tell you to. I expect you to have critical thinking. Use the great mind that God gave you. God wants you. He did not give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. 
That sound mind is yours and yours alone. You don't relinquish your sound mind to anybody else. You don't let anybody control your thoughts or tell you how to think and what to think. But you are able to be a discerner of the times when you operate by the power of the Holy Spirit with his knowledge so that you are not late so that you do not miss an opportunity, so that you do not come to the table when everybody else is already gorged. If you're in a big family, have you ever been there? And everybody's already, uh, you know, the, the ding, ding, ding for the dinner bell goes and you're just a procrastinator and you don't quite get to the table. Well, those are the the late, um, the what? The yeah, the Johnny come lately's. Yeah. And so what you want to do is, is be, become one of those First initiators for what God is telling you to do. Be obedient to the power of the Holy Spirit. If he's giving you ideas, God is able to give you ideas, sound ideas that will propel your life into an absolutely, uh, you know, unexpected, you know, incomprehensible life because you listened to him. Everybody gets an idea at some point in their life that could be that million dollar idea to, to expand a business, to do great things. Why? For you, no, for the kingdom, so that you can help more people, so that you can be a blessing, that you are blessed to be a blessing in this lifetime. Now, I'm truly hoping to be there. I'm a blessing in little tiny ways. Um, we here at our organization, we tithe. We tithe into people's lives. We help people that are going through a tough time. Uh, we invest because we believe that God asks us to be tithers, and so because we feel that we are um, honoring God with our finances, we don't hold them tightly. We're not Scrooges and we're not greedy. We just say, God, help us to do what you're asking us to do. So one of those things, if you go to my website here, is you'll see that uh, there's a little donate button there and that will help us. And if you're able to help us, we believe that the next step is to uh, take a Take a, a step of faith and get onto Daystar. So we're looking at that and we're, we want to pull the plug. But um, if you're able to help us, it means the world. It really does. Do you like what you see here? Does it mean something to you to hear the truth? Do you enjoy uh, watching Laurel in live? Would you consider maybe helping us by becoming a monthly partner. When you push that donate button down there, um, it will give you options. You'll be able to donate anonymously. You'll be able to donate a one-time gift or become a, you know, a, a monthly donor to help us get it done. Do you like this big sweater, JT? I kind of look thick in it, but um, yeah, it's nice you like it. Yeah, because you paid for it last week. <laughs> You know, we have to we have to have the clothing to maintain and do what we need to do here. So thank you for my sweater, hun. Um, but I want you to know that that we believe that God is going to give us great ideas. He is going to expand our territory. That's not just me. That's you. And by you sowing into this, you're saying, I believe. In this mission, <clears throat> I believe in what you're trying to do, Laura Lynn, and I'm going to sow into that mission, and God will see that, and he will bless your life as well. And I believe that God loves cheerful givers, and not just to our churches that, you know, we give the tithes, but the offerings, and maybe you don't go to a church. Do you know what? God will bless you immensely if you'll start being willing to let 10% of your personal income 
go to blessing other people, maybe blessing this ministry so that you're part of the harvest. We appreciate that. Also, if you want to e-transfer, you can go to Laura Lynn Live at ProtonMail.com or ProtonLive at gmail.com. We also have a mailbox. <coughs> Is it? Oh, no, I was saying it wrong. <laughs> ProtonLive at gmail.com. Okay. <laughs> Laura Lynn Live at gmail.com. All right, then. All right. Help me to get more vitamin D, everyone, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, maybe some... Uh, I, I love to take um, omega-3. I think that's really important for your brain. Maybe I'll start taking a little bit more than I'm Dixie taking. And Dixie and I love <laughs> omega-3. <laughs> Do you know who that is? All right, Martin Short, everyone. That's when he plays. Who does he play? Jiminy Glick. Jiminy Glick. <laughs> oh, he's a nut. But he's Canadian, so I love him. But I just I, we did just watch his funny thing on... Uh, Netflix and uh, uh, oh yeah, I like some of his stuff, but some I felt was irreverent. So, ah, I'm not gonna recommend it. So I won't. I just won't talk about that anymore. All right. Um. Oh, look, JT. First Peter three. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. <laughs> Am I teaching you to be a more godly man <laughs> by being submitted? Hey, you like it? Okay. <laughs> uh, I am submitted, but it's true. I'm the more vocal one. And, you know, I got probably more ideas and JT's my implementer. Like I see the vision and, and he carries it out <clears throat> and I appreciate him. I appreciate you so much. All right. So... I want to go to 1 Peter 4, actually, and it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. So what does that mean right there when you hear that? Christ suffered. Do we suffer? Yeah. Arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Does that mean we have to be prepared to suffer? That's not very popular thinking. I don't know if I'm going to get more viewers by talking about that. Be prepared to suffer more. Um, not very positive, but it says here, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. We don't know how to say no sometimes, eh, to our flesh. That's a very difficult thing. Learning to resist the enemy for that sin that easily besets you. Saying no in the moment when you feel like saying yes. That can be the sin of gluttony. That can be the sin of perversion, lust. That can be the sin of being a thief and stealing. That can be telling lies. If you know whoever suffers in the body is done with sin, so it doesn't feel good to say no to all the things that you like, all the sin that is has a moment of fun, but a lifetime of pain that comes to you because of it, because you gave in. That sin that can, for a moment, be pleasurable and yet 
in the end, will be there to take your very life. Saying no is suffering, and it's important you do that. Our positive outcome from today's show is that you've got to be prepared to tell your body to suffer. No, I'm not eating that second piece of cake. All right, I'm not going to be just feasting down on everything. I am going to cause my body to suffer so that I come in alignment with healthy living the way God wants me to. I'm not going to watch that porno flick. I'm not going to engage in lascivious talk. I'm not going to live a life of perversion, even though I'm tempted and I feel like it. I am going to embrace suffering and suffering will lead you to one thing. And that is eternal life with God for the, but rather for the will of God. It later says that we put away these earthly pleasures so that we might suffer for God and thereby attain eternity. Amen. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.